Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. The sermon title that they agreed to, that we should do this morning is uh, really it's a combination of biblical stuff, uh, reminiscing, because <clears throat> the title is actually looking back and looking ahead. Looking back <clears throat> is uh, uh, kind of melancholy for an old codger. And I, but I looked at, I went to the scripture, <clears throat> excuse me, I need a little snort if somebody can get me one. Uh, I tried to, to think of some things that most of you wouldn't know about, but was really, really funny. And uh, you're a good man, I don't care what to say about you. Um, It was the funniest thing that I can remember was, uh, thanks, Andrew, one pretty day that the pianist and the organ grinder and an old codger that came here, he's dead now, for many years. What we've done is we would look for people who were in trouble and try to help them. And, and there were several preachers that fell into that category. One of the fellows down at uh, Temple Baptist, and he turned out to be a, just a sweet fellow. He came here for a while after he'd been let go, and uh, <clears throat> Frank Tallarico had the same problem. We brought him here for a while. Guy that was at First Methodist. When First Methodist Church was <clears throat> there years ago down by where Kroger is now, really a good church and good people. The preacher came to me one day, and he'd had a death in the family, and he came to me one day and he said, Scott, would you do, it was uh, Ash Wednesday. Now, we don't do anything about Ash Wednesday, but, but they did. The, the Methodist Church did. He said, would you do the, the service for me because i got to be out of town. I said, yeah, you just show me what to do. And he said, well, you, and he gave me a little thing about that big around that like you'd have a, like a snuff in or something, you know, the kids, whatever. But anyway, he got, and he said, now that's got a damp ashes in there, and you just put it on their forehead and, and, and say something to them when they come up one at a time. And there was probably 60 people there or so on, on uh, Ash Wednesday, and, and they kept coming down, and, I'd, and I knew almost all of them. And I'd say something to him and put it on there. We got back in the car after the service was over. And we were on the way back home. And Alice Kay, she was sitting in the back watching it on. She said, did you know most of those people? I said, yeah, I knew most of them. She said, well, what did you say to them when they came up front? And I said, Christ Community Church has services at 1030 on Sunday morning. She spit all over the windshield. <laughs> but anyway, but when we also one of the one of the really things that was so funny that it, it would have gone on television had we had it on video. Uh, one of the old preachers that came here was uh, Floyd Adams, Uncle Floyd. We called him. His wife we called Aunt B. And they were going for lunch down to Bob Evans and. Um, Uncle Floyd, big old tall guy with a big old uh, Methodist belly, 
and, and his, and his uh, belt hung down around under his belly, you know, and he was walking down the sidewalk, and his britches fell down to his ankles. And here were the two women, an organist and a pianist, down on their knees trying to pull his britches up, and he was laughing so hard that his belly was doing this, you know. Well, you, if you got any imagination at all, and Paul and I were standing in the door, we weren't going to help any. It was too good to watch, you know. <laughs> a lot of goofy things happen in, in the church. Uh, a lot of fun things have happened through the years. A lot of heartbreaking things happen. When we first started the church 50 years ago, it was 50 years ago to this very day. The 20th of September, 1970, we, uh, we had our first meeting place. The, the church at that time was a handful of people, good friends. We prayed together for a while, and uh, <clears throat> in a short period of time, we were looking for a place to worship. We didn't have anything, really. Uh, and so we were able to rent the Seventh-day Adventist building. They use it on Saturday. We use it on Sunday. They had a baptistry, so that worked out real good. And in charge of the music at that time, some of you old-timers would appreciate it, Ralph Harrison might have been the best music director that any church ever had, ever. Instead of Instead of <clears throat> what took place on the platform, he saw the congregation as the choir. And the, our, our congregational singing was unmatched. I've never heard it any better. It may have been as good when, in, when I was in Bible college and the men would all, who were all studying to be preachers got together in the chapel and sang. And that, that was something special. But... Uh, Ralph had an amazing, later on he had a 50-voice choir, and, and the congregational singing was, was absolutely so inspiring and so exciting uh, that kids began coming into our church in great numbers at the Seventh-day Adventist building. It actually became a city problem. The kids would get there. We're talking about the, the, the building be so full that they were sitting on the platform around me where I didn't have time to move. I didn't have any space to move. They were, and, and we had all kinds of great publicity. Bill Dawson and his daughter, Melinda, uh, chose to come and worship with us. And Bill mentioned Ralph singing or Bad Mouth and Me or something every morning on, on the WNXT. And uh, so our church was, was, even though it was new, was, everybody knew about it. And then a spirit came to our congregation that is hard, that I've longed for ever since. I pray for it to see it again before I die. But the singing was so, so beautiful and together that we actually at times had people coming down the aisle to become Christians before I had a chance to preach. Now, that's embarrassing to a preacher. So anyway, and, and uh, there were times when we took kids to Cincinnati. Alice Kay took a bunch of kids to Cincinnati to a musical there. And she stopped at Frisch's on the, at New Richmond on the way back. And she, I was at home in bed. And she called and she said, we've had several kids come to Christ tonight and they want to be baptized. I said, well, that's great. I want to go back to bed. She said, tonight. It was 
the baptistry was full, and so at 2 o'clock or after in the morning at the Seventh-day Adventist church, I was up there baptizing people, and parents were showing up in their pajamas. I remember Dale and Doris Cox coming in and, and still wearing their pajamas in a house robe because uh, their daughter was one of them being baptized. That kind of excitement just went through the entire community. Our kids got so excited. Now, this is hard to believe in light of what's going on today. Our kids got so excited about Jesus that I got a, a phone call from the principal at PHS, big Charlie Adams. He was a giant of a guy. Charlie called me, and he said, Scott, I need your help. <laughs> You'd like to hear that. He, I said, what, what, what's the problem? He said, the kids that go to your church are trying to convert our teachers, and it's interrupting class time. And I found out that really was the truth. But those teachers needed to be converted, so I didn't get involved. I just let them go, you know. I thought it'd be better. But that really did happen. Those exciting times, if you can imagine, because the people would come to church on Sunday morning expecting something exciting to happen. And, and Bill Dawson called us the church of what's happening now. And, it was, and we still have young people in Russia, in almost every, in many foreign countries, that were converted during that time and that are scattered all over the face of the earth. We were told at the time, ah, that's just a passing fad. I wish we had some more passing fads. To see your children get so excited about Jesus that that's what they want to talk about, whether they're in a restaurant or in a school building or whatever. Frank Lewis was leading one of our Bible studies at the time for our children. And he called me one night and he said, I'm kind of in trouble because the kids have stayed too late praying. And uh, he said, I, 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 the, somebody, the parents have told the cops and I'm in trouble. So, but anyway... The cops were all for us, and uh, uh, that didn't turn out to be much. But that, that, is, that kind of excitement permeated our entire community. So don't tell me, because I've seen it and experienced it, that when the fire falls from heaven upon a group of people who love Jesus and love each other and believe in the, and are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ but are willing to share it with anybody who has ears to hear, you have no idea of what can happen. And uh, uh, we would have dinners, he, uh, and, and, uh, these, and uh, the only area of tension that we had early on is we'd have a couple of hundred kids show up at a dinner, and they didn't bring anything to eat, and the, and the adults here kind of got ticked off because we were feeding all the kids in town. And, and the kids, they, they didn't care, you know. But it, it, was, it was a truly exciting time, uh, and our church developed a reputation and, and uh, for if anybody was in trouble, we got a call before the government uh, officials. And we still do it oftentimes. We just don't have the resources now that we had. We intended not to have a building as long as possible so that we could use the money to help people. And uh, we, we rented the Seventh-day Adventist building for several years, and then they told us, you're wearing our building out, you're going to have to go. So we rented the, high, the old high school auditorium for a while. 
Then we finally said that we don't have a choice, and, and uh, Ted Truett was handling our finances. He was a, a worker uh, down at First Federal at the time. His grandson is our uh, a janitor here now, Blake. And uh, Ted says, we're, we're going to have to do something on our own. This piece of property was available here for $20,000. And, uh, and we, we had accumulated that much because I didn't take money. I was actually working for the hospital. Uh, when we were up on 27th Street by the Seventh-day Adventist building, we got in some trouble there with, with our neighbors because the kids would get there late, people would get there late, and we'd block people's driveways because they were just all up and down 27th Street. And one of them that was complaining was Lowell Thompson, who happened to be the uh, administrator at the hospital. He and Leanne, uh, his wife, lived up on 27th Street. Lowell came to me and he said, you know, we can't even get out of our, our, of our driveway. And I said, well, that shouldn't be a problem. Why don't you just come on to church? And he did. And he gave me a job working at the hospital. He said, I want you to develop a social services department for, the, for Sodom Memorial Hospital. And I'll pay you money to do that because I didn't have any income. And I said, because I didn't, you know, at, what I had dis- determined to do was to be like the Apostle Paul. He said, a laborer is worthy of their hire, but I chose not to take uh, money from the church if at all possible. They helped us with some rent and some other stuff, but uh, but I would work for a living so that when people would say, oh, I just don't have time to go to church. I work five days a week. I said, so do I. What's your problem? And, uh, and, and so the Apostle Paul said he didn't take anything because he liked the freedom that, he, that gave him and of not being people holding money over his head. So I, I worked for the hospital and set up a social services department for them. And then when I got it set up, I told, oh, I'm done now. I'll go do something else. I ended up taking a job selling for um, uh, BMI out in South Webster. And I had a, a, a primarily with Armco in Ashland. And uh, they, they were doing about $700,000 a year, mostly selling tapo clay for uh, the two fur- blast furnaces there in, at... Uh, at Armco, but things really went well. I, I got the, the last year I was with them, we did seven and a half million dollars in the period of time that I was with them. It, it really, it really did well. And then I got into some other things and traveled all over the world and tried to get back here on every weekend that I could. Harold Dix would fill in for me at times, and we did a lot of fun things. We we took trips to Israel. Many of you have been there with us. It's a great time where you go and learn some things. Uh, we, uh, we went to New Guinea and put in uh, a solar system out in a place called Aminad. It's just right next to nowhere uh, in, in New Guinea. And Dave Literal and I went there a time or two. And, and one of the fun things that I, I can't show you this either, but it really happened... We got stuck in, in Australia overnight, and the next day David said, well, I want to go out to the, to the Great Barrier Reef. I said, okay. So we get on a boat, and it, it must, you must travel 20 miles to get all the way out there. And then when you get there, there's a platform, when, and so I got in the platform, and David wanted to go swimming. So he goes swimming around the Great Barrier Reef, and the tide goes down. This is, this is not an exaggeration. 
the tide was going down, and David got stuck on the reef. Here he was laying out there like this, and the tide had gone out, and his belly was hanging down, and that reef is sharp, you know. And, and I was standing up there watching the whole thing. I thought it was kind of good myself, you know. And, but he still likes to bellyache belly about it, you know, if you can ask him. About, but he really did get beached. He really got beached there on, uh, in, in Australia. So we've been, we've been a, a lot of different places, Africa several times. The, 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 one of the trips that we had to Israel was especially interesting because I'm looking back. But is we, we, we went not only to Israel, but we went then down through the Sinai Peninsula. We went up on, uh, uh, on Mount Horeb where the Ten Commandments were given. I did in the and I got sick, but the rest of them had to get up at midnight and go all the way up there and come back. And uh, we stayed there in bed and prayed for them. <laughs> uh, anyway, then, then we went through the sign up all the way up to Egypt. And what I didn't say anything to anybody, I'd been warned ahead of time, is that some bad guys were already in the, in, uh, in the Sinai Peninsula. And on our bus, there was not just the driver, but there's a guy sitting on the front seat with a big old gun laying across his lap all the way up there. But it turned out we, were, we ended up uh, going through a little bit of a sandstorm and all that other stuff, going down and see the pyramids and so on. And uh, several people have said they'd kind of like to do that again, and we may do that one of these days when all of this COVID things gets behind us. It's kind of expensive now, though. But I did find this out. And the reason it's so much more expensive is the airline tickets have gone through the roof. But if you'll get them now while the airlines are almost in trouble, airlines are about, several of them are about to file for bankruptcy if the government doesn't bail them out. And so you can negotiate some really good deals now if any of you are kind of it, because Gary had mentioned that once too. We had a dream of a church that, uh, uh, that, really focused on people and not buildings buildings take up you know when we did this building here and and redid the area back there it cost us a million two hundred thousand dollars so things aren't cheap but we had a lot of help when we bought this 20 acres the hospital next door had said they want it Vern Rice said, well, they're not going to get it because I have to sign the thing. And so I called him up and said, Vern, I, I, I don't think we're going to get the ground because the local newspaper had said that they were going to do some kind of city, something or other where they can take over. And uh, he said, and he called me Reverend. He said, Reverend, I told you once, it's yours if you got the $20,000. Now, I learned this about Vern Rice. His word was a lot better than most Christians. If he gave you his word, you, as they say, you could take it to the bank. That's how we got the, the property here. Now, and, the, and we built the first building. And now we're talking about people who made no profession of faith. Vern was not a practicing Christian. He just like and, and he said, to use his terms, he said, I like what that Republican church is doing. That's the way he described it anyway. Because I've always been a registered Republican because I thought that's what a Christian was supposed to be. And, and uh, then some of you told me I was wrong, but that's okay. Because Gary claims he's my favorite Democrat, you know, <laughs> and he is. <laughs> so that's all right with me. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks, and I, I hadn't intended to do this early on, but I decided this week. Don't let the politicians 
drive wedges between you as Christian brothers and sisters. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. And I don't, I don't care how you vote. I just hope you vote. And, I, and Paul and I have been checking on that. And here's what I'm going to recommend to all of you that you do. Beginning the 6th of this coming month, you can vote. Don't vote. I know you've been getting stuff through the mail and so on where you can ask for absentee. Don't do that. The courthouse will be open. You can go to the courthouse and vote, and your ballots will start to be counted on the night of the election when the, when the polls close. And I wanted to tell all of you that. That's what I'm going to do because I sent out... Uh, the, the mail isn't dependable. And I don't know who would come up with all this. Now, but, but there's a problem there. I mailed out a couple of hundred invitations about the men's stuff and other stuff this week on a Tuesday. And many of you didn't get it till Saturday. So there is a problem there. I don't think it's the postal workers' fault. I think our local people, I know them all. And they're really good people doing the best. But here's what happens. The bureaucrats make stupid decisions, and then our local people get brain for it. A few years ago, they bought a piece of equipment in Columbus that cost millions of dollars. In order for it to pay for itself, it has to have so many pieces of mail to go through that every day. So what you do, if I send you a letter and post it tomorrow with your name on it, take it down here and give it to the mailbox, they have to send that to Columbus and run through that piece of equipment and then send it back here hoping that you get it sooner or later. Now, those local people had nothing to do with that. It was some bureaucrat somewhere who, you know, who couldn't pay their light bill on their own. They do stupid things. And then the, the people who deal with you, your mail carriers, the people at the wind and so on, we've got good people there. And, and it's not their fault. So for your sake, all of you need to vote. Our country is in a mess. And if we as Christians can come together, see the beautiful thing, and I, I, know, I, I know you didn't expect to hear this, but you're going to. The, if you've been watching television, you saw an 87-year-old woman die who was a genius almost. You can't be first in your class at Harvard and not be super smart. And she was. And she died. And you know who her very best friend in the world was? A conservative judge that sat on the same bench with her, both in the appellate court and on the Supreme Court. And, and when he died a few years ago, she wrote a wonderful tribute to him about losing my very best friend. We as Christians have got to be able to allow other people to have political differences, and yet we are one in Jesus Christ, and we should never forget that. And if we love one another, that's the way it'll be. That's the way it'll be. Now, one of the things that we did through the years that was a little bit different, and I got some blowback on it, but I've always considered myself to be at least something of a leader. Leaders do things that upset people. And uh, 
And what we decided, I looked at what was going on here, because down in 1970, when the church started down at our high school, after school was over, black kids and white kids would go off in a corner somewhere, and they would have a fight. And I, I have actually witnessed it. I knew it was happening. And, and so I decided somebody has to do something about that. You, you can't just go and stand in the middle of them and get beat up yourself because I'm, I'm a coward by nature and I'm small, and so you have to be careful about that. But I tell you, what we decided was if we can get black people and white people sitting in the same church at the same time and getting to know each other well and loving each other a lot, this kind of nonsense can come to a screeching halt because that's going to be the, that's the way you deal with racism. That's the real way you deal with racism. And, and so we decided to put a black man on our staff. And probably the, the smartest thing that I ever did, and I got blowback from it, uh, from in one instance a staff member, was to hire Ralph Clay at, at our church, and he's been here for 20 years. And if you don't think that was a smart thing to do, then you've been smoking dope and you ain't very smart. Because uh, there isn't anybody, because I told him, and I've told you all this before, I've, to, I've told him at the, after a year or two, I said, Ralph, you're going to have to be a short-termer. We can't keep you here. And he said, why is that? I said, because I can't live with somebody more popular than me, you know, in, a, in our church. He may be, he may be, and I'm in, I'm in his fan club, and Matthew's even more so than I, because uh, we're not just brothers in Christ. We're just brothers. Uh, we share each other's life. He's traveled with me all over the world. And if I've got a friend on the face of the earth, if I have a friend on the face of the earth, it's Ralph Clay. And if he has a friend on the face of the earth, it's Scott Rawlings. I don't care who knows that. I think it was one of the smart. And I'm hoping that the day will come when, when is, uh, our congregation is really about half and half so that we can all stop this foolishness of uh, uh, and letting the politicians divide us. We're one in Jesus Christ, and color has nothing to do, and we'll show you a little bit more about that before it's over. One of the things that happened, and, and there are people who were actually here when we first started. Barb Dix is here. She and her family were here when we first started. Her husband and I went through Bible college together. Harold and I have been friends for a long, long time. He passed away a few years ago. The worst thing that I think I can say about myself during all of this and looking back was that I was naive. I really thought that people in a congregation would all think the same way I did. It doesn't happen that way. A congregation, this one and all the rest of them, just like Israel, is a mixed multitude. We'll have people here who don't believe the Bible. We'll have people here who are racist in their attitude, even though they may not show it. We'll have people here who, are, uh, who came just so they could... Uh, uh, we've had this happen several times. They, they came to our church here because we had a lot of people, a thousand people coming over a weekend, and they were here because they thought it was good for their business. And that's going to happen. And so the Bible calls that a mixed multitude. Moses had the same problem. 
you look back in the, in the Bible, and you, if you look on your, your outline, you'll see I've given you some scriptures. There in the 14th chapter of Exodus, the people were grumbling to Moses. Now, he, they had seen the miracles that he had done before uh, uh, the, the, the people, the congregation, as well as Pharaoh himself. They had, they had seen the, the, the parting of the water of the Red Sea. They would come across on dry land. They brought it all the way to the foot of Mount Sinai. And the people were grumbling when Moses was gone for a little while up getting the Ten Commandments from the Lord. And they were saying, hey, weren't there enough graves in... in uh, this is what they actually said. Weren't there enough graves in, in, uh, that we could be buried in, in Egypt? What are we doing out here? We don't have water to drink, so God gave them water. We don't have food to eat, so God gave them manna from heaven and quail meat. You ever eat quail meat? Amen. Quail meat is, is as good as it gets. When I, we lived in Illinois before coming here, and I, and I had a couple of bird dogs, and I was going pheasant hunting. We had about three dozen pheasants in the freezer when we moved here. But we've been periodically in the years past before my eyes uh, got uh, not too good so I couldn't shoot anymore I was a dead shot you want to argue with me yeah okay anyway we go to Mississippi and go quail hunting and and Alice Kay was she can cook pheasant and quail like you cannot believe really good stuff God fed them, and yet they were continued to grumble. Now, you can expect that when there's a large group of people. You can't make everybody happy. You shouldn't even try. You should try to preach the gospel, do the right thing, love the people, and let the chips fall where they may. But what really hurts is when the, the, the insiders get that. And Moses had the same problem. He married what was probably a black lady, a Cushite. And, and the result was his brother, Aaron, and his sister, Miriam, were complaining about the woman he married. They were probably racist. In fact, you'll find a lot of Jews who think if you're not a Jew, you, you're not as good as we are. That's one of the problems in Israel now. When with the way they treat the Palestinians. I've watched it through the years. And so when the insiders... Your own family and your, and your staff, when, when you get, but it's going to happen. And I was too naive to know it. Too naive to know it. And so our church went through a, a horrible split a few years ago. Horrible split. And, had, and, and I was too naive to see it coming. All kinds of signs should have seen it. Too naive to see it coming. Because one of the things that you do is you, the Bible says you should look and expect the best from people. And that's one of the things that I've always tried to do. See the good things in people. Encourage those good things in people. All of us have our flaws. So we, if we dwell on that, you have nothing but chaos. But if we can encourage the best in each other, everybody is blessed. Now, so I've looked back long enough. And the Bible says here in the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians, it's the Apostle Paul doing the talking. And he says, in spite of my background, in spite of all the things that God has done on the road to Damascus, all that other stuff that's happened to me, I, I need to forget the past and press on toward the future so that I can get to the prize. Now, what is the prize? The prize wasn't going to heaven. 
The prize was that he could be so close to Jesus that Jesus would just literally rub off on him. Knowing Christ. He said, I want to know. I'm even willing to endure the same sufferings. I'm willing to, and, and, and I want to look forward to the resurrection, which after all is the gospel. He was looking forward to that. So I want to take just a, a few minutes now to tell you about what we've done that causes us to look to the future. When we were trying to, when we were trying to build our church, we decided as a group of people what we'd like to do was to bring some really high-profile people to Portsmouth so that the entire city could continue to be excited about Christ. The first person we brought was a guy named James Irwin. He was a colonel who had walked on the moon. The newspapers, the televisions, the radio, all of them were here interviewing Colonel Irwin, who loved us here and came. He, he loved Alice Case cooking, and 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 he came back on more than one instance. That was followed by uh, Dr. Smalley, who was the high-profile counsel, marriage counselor, and then everybody knows on two different occasions that uh, uh, that we had. Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North to come here for the veterans, all of that. That what we were doing is, and and for the children, we had trick or trunk where we lined up all the way around the building. The women had some magnificent. Come on, Mama. We had some magnificent events. I don't know where she is, but uh, I, is my first wife here? Yeah, there she is. We and I'm gonna let her go through a few of those things. Because what we're doing, folks, is letting you know what we have done, that what we're going to do again. We're looking forward, and, and I want her to go through some of these things because they're truly exciting. We tried to do things for the men. We tried to do things for the women. We tried to do things for the kids with the ultimate desire of seeing them grow to be like Jesus. And the women actually had more fun than the men. The men just paid for it. So, uh, Mama, you, you go over your list here real quick. I think he ate up all my time, so this will be really quick, okay? We, the women have had some magnificent things. Uh, I'm going to go very quickly here. The Bride of Christ, an event that we did here, was the largest and most extravagant women's event that we had here at church. I left the scrapbook out there on the table for you women to remember how we closed with like 12 brides coming up, but it was all to center us on one day. We will meet in heaven. It was wonderful. Uh, we made many overnight trips, uh, and we went to hear favorite women speakers. We went to hear Priscilla Shire, Jennifer Rothschild, Anne Graham Lotz, Johnny Erickson Tata, Les Curtis Higgs, Beth Moore, etc. I never will forget an overnight trip that we made to Billy Graham's The Cove. We went down there for a 24-hour prayer vigil, and that's exactly what it was. When we got there that night, we prayed until, time, until after midnight. We got up the next morning, they had a little snack for us out there, and we left. Everyone took their own path out there in the forest in the cove. And we were gone from 6 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock at night by ourselves in the woods praying. And it was just 
Women get together that way. They become sisters in Christ that way. They go home and raise their children that way. So that's what we want you to do too. We also averaged at least four to six Bible studies, and Vicki's here, Vicki's my cohort, uh, with the women's Bible study, and we just finished one this time with Jennifer Rothschild. She's the blind lady that can out-teach any of us, that's for sure. We made a trip, the women did, to Athens, Greece. Uh, with Beth Moore and she taught us every night and we got to look all over Greece and and learn so much One of our exciting things was how many of you all can remember raise your hand when we had 33 women here at Christ Community Church with breast cancer I remember those days and my heart ached for those women So I decided to do something maybe to loosen us up a little bit we built a boxing ring out there in the thing, and we had the women fight cancer in the ring. And the women laughed and joked and just had a really good time realizing we can overcome, and they did. We only lost one lady with the, with the breast cancer problem. A highlight to my thing, as you know, I build all these stages, and you all think I'm crazier than nuts. I'm 80 years old now, and I'm still building stages. But Tim Saris and I have built every VBS stage up here, and we have loved it more than anything. But I will tell you, the year that we built the tabernacle out there in the atrium to scale was the most exciting time. People drove from miles and miles around it. One church finally came about six months into it and says, can we buy it? We want to take it to our church. Now, we didn't charge them for it, but they did take it because we wanted to spread the word. Uh, the side note, we had cupcakes galore this year, and a lot of you little girls are out here, but we thank Susie because she let these little girls come, and we wanted to teach them about how they are also powerful to God's kingdom. And I will say, I think the mothers really enjoyed it, but the grandmothers enjoyed it even more. They love watching their grandchildren uh, model the little clothes. Anyway, I'm gonna close. I think I can do this. I won't cry, I promise. What woman wouldn't love watching her husband, her son, and her grandson preach the gospel in this church? Thank you. You go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Patrick, you and Eddie, come on up this way, if you will. What you all <clears throat> should know is that uh, these two young men, Patrick and Eddie, uh, were selected by, if you saw the video earlier of Mr. Metalla, he said, I've selected two of the brightest and the hardest working young men here at Good Samaritan uh, Children's Home. They're good students, and they've now finished four years at Kentucky Christian. And what you need to know about when back in Uganda, the country is so poor that most of the preachers, except in the great big churches, have to have their own vocation where they support themselves and, or, or they, couldn't, uh, they couldn't make it. The boys are currently, uh, both of them, uh, about halfway through uh, a master, an MBA degree from Ohio Christian University. They will have a business degree so they can teach 
in the Bible college there and, and also uh, uh, in the, take care of the business end of it as well as teach theology. These are two exceptional young men. They're bright. They're godly. They're intelligent. They're funny. Well, they're more intelligent than funny. Uh, they're, they're, but anyway, t- uh, they, they, they will be going home at the end of next uh, June, first sometime in July, to plant a church in Uganda. Our trustees have set aside some money to buy ground for a church plant. I got an in, a note this week from Mr. Matala who said, we've located four acres and we'll be sending the money to purchase a four-acre plot in Uganda this week God willing that I get the information for the uh, transfer of money because <clears throat> they have to have cash and we have to do bank transfer the, our bank to their bank. We've got the money to do that because we'd saved enough money. I was worried about after the church split, I was worried that we would have enough money to pay all of our bills. We've been saving money and so we, we're going to use that money to purchase the ground to start a church in Uganda when the Patrick and Eddie go back. These boys, yeah. These young men, because that's what they are, these young men uh, were trained by Mr. Metalla in that country to be what they call transformers. They go into a community with the, with the idea we're going to transform this community into a Christ-honoring, spiritually-empowered community. And so they're trained as transformers. So come on over here, fellas. And Eddie, you go ahead and tell us what is a transform... What are the core values... These are the... What are the core values of a transformer? You're on. Yes. The core, now, I told you, get up here in the light. They can't see you in the dark. Can you, can you see? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> So the core values of a transformer are Jesus in me, the Holy Spirit in me, the Word of God in me, education in my head, and money in my pocket. Yeah. That's how you, that's how you, you can change anything. That's how you can cause any change. Yeah. So, uh, you, as I told you before, you were asked about and money in your pocket. Why is that important? The reason money is important is we don't just think it, but it's a fact. I'll speak for Africa here. Most parts of Africa, most parts of Africa are poor. Poverty is a reality. And we all know that to change anything, we need money, right? So uh, after me having Jesus in me, and the Holy Spirit in me, and the Word of God in me, and education in my head, now the next thing I need is money. Because if we planted a church and have a congregation, we're going to need offering. We will need to build. We want this church to mother another church plant. And all that requires money. So in order to be able to transform anything, you need money in your pocket. That's why it's one of the core values. Good for you, Eddie. Now, Patrick, get up here. 
uh, muscles, rather, like this. Huh? He was a weenie when he got here. He's getting to be a pretty good hoss now. You need to pray for Patrick. He's, he's wanting to hurry up and go home and get married. That's and if true. anybody needs prayer, it's somebody looking forward to getting married. So, Correct. Yeah, all right. Now, Patrick, you, you're both trained transformers. So you go into a community. Okay, what, uh, it's, uh, what, 17 miles out of the capital. Uh, what's the name of the town? M, yeah, that's it. And anyway, the, the, where the, where the property is to be purchased, you go into that town as a transformer. Then what do you do? What what? How do you transform that community? Yeah. Now we have a a piece of ground already bought there. Uh, you plant a church. Now it's through this church that other transformation, uh, other types of transformation can start taking place. For example, the social transformation, that's when we talk about digging water wells for people so that people can have access to clean and safe water. Now, after digging the well, now you can go to people, knock on their doors and tell them, hey, look, God has provided clean water to this community and it's free. You can as well come take water, but we have a church. You might as well come and visit us church starts on Sunday, please come and visit us. So that's how we start. It does not stop there as well as you need a, a, a clinic, let me say, because people in Africa die of so many diseases. Now you need to treat the diseases because as you treat the soul, you need to provide good medicine for people to get free from all the diseases. So you provide a clinic for, for, for the body. As you treat people for the diseases, you treat them the soul with the word of God and you provide the medicine for the diseases. I think I'm clear. I don't know if I messed you up, but that's no, that's you're doing fine. And another thing you do is the education to try to educate the mind to make sure that a person can read their Bible, they can speak what they want to speak, and they can as well compete with other people in the country for the same jobs. It does not stop there. As you talked about money, you provide a vocation school where people can go learn a skill and start trading that skill with money so they can feed their families, they can as well tithe in the family, sorry, can tithe in church, and the church can now grow and can support itself. That's how transformation goes along in, in the community. Okay, now, Eddie, because I've gone on too long myself, let me ask you this question. Okay, we, we go into a community. We got the ground. We built, the first thing we do is we put, a, what, a water well? Water put a water well in. And then we put a big sign up there next to the water well. That's, that's, and, yeah, a big old sign, the future home. Okay, what's that sign going to say? Uh, okay, so first we, we, build, we, we put a water well before we start using this, this land, because we'll be here. But as the people use this property, we also tell them, hey, there's a church about to start here. And what will be on this sign is announcing all that. And the name of the church will be Christ Community Church Uganda. Yeah. I got, I got, I got it this time. You got it. That time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
we're going to have to wind it down from there, but I, I, I th what we're wanting to do here now as a congregation, I think we've gotten over the grief time of the church split, and we're now we're looking to the future. We're looking to planting a church there, and we're looking for our congregation to be because we're going to go to our knees as a congregation, and we're going to ask for the fire to fall and for a revival to start again here in our congregation. And we want, to, you, we want you to be a part of it. Now, in order for us to pay for what their water wells, this other stuff, to help pay for that, we put the coin uh, things are back here again. And, uh, and, and you fill these things up, and you dump them in here again, and we've raised thousands of dollars that way. So what we would want to do as soon as we can, as soon as this, as soon as this property is paid for, we send the money. We want to start saving money then for the water well where that sign can go up there where people can come and get clean water because they've explained it to you really well. That's a real need because uh, Patrick said last night he saw places where they were getting water for where cows were standing in there urinating and da-da-da-da-da, and that's the water they're using to drink and to live on. We are giving them water well, and we're giving it, and we're giving them clean water, and it's all coming from the Lord, and it'll be under the auspices uh, and the leadership of these two young leaders that God has raised up that I'm so proud of. And I pray that our church will come alive as you participate, look forward in what we're going to do, get over the pain of the past, look forward to the victories. One of the things that we're looking for, and then we'll pray and run. The, we've looked always in the past to help people who were having a hard time. I hope you will agree with me that, that the, our, the police in our country are having a hard time. The Bible says in the 13th chapter of the book of Romans that they're ministers of God just like we are. And therefore, what we're looking at doing is hopeful after this COVID thing is over, we want to bring all of our police into our building, feed them a nice supper, put on a nice program for them, and let us know that we love them and care for them. And, and Matthew is in the process of trying. How many of you saw the movie Black Hawk Down? Anybody ever see that? The young man that that movie is about is a preacher now in Atlanta, Georgia. And we're trying to get him to come. He can't come on a weekend. And besides that, the, so, we're, it'll, so we'll have to do it through the week. Bring the, the, our, our, our local police in here with their families. Feed them. Let them know that we love them. Let them know that we pray for them. Let them know that we'll encourage them because they're catching heck from all over the world today. We, we not only want to, uh, uh, to not to unfund, we want to fund them and encourage them and bless them and get them all saved if we can. And we want that young man to come up here and to tell them about Jesus. Well, I've gone over, and my first wife has already said I took too much of her time, and I did, I did. I took some of their time too, but I may not be here very much longer. I'm, you know, i got a birthday in a few days. I'm going to be not, well... How will I be? You know, I'm intending 
I've got my eye fixed now. Moses could see clearly when he was 120. That's where I'm headed. So, Lord, we ask your blessing upon this gathering of people, their patience with us this morning. We pray for our congregation that excitement will come again to our congregation. Souls will be saved. People will look forward to showing up on Sunday morning just to see what's happening now that you're doing, Father. Oh, please bless us toward that end. Bless Patrick and Eddie. Look forward to strengthening your kingdom and spreading your word throughout the world. We offer our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen? You're free to go. Thank you. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.